Welcome to the Guide to Movies podcast with Joe and Sean. I am Joe. He is Sean. And this is episode 54 of our acclaimed award-winning multimedia presentation we like to call this. Sean, how are you? I would like to say it's uh, several award-winning. Um, my mom and dad have both given this uh, best <laughs> podcast ever uh, right after asking, what's a podcast? And so, but, but both of them have definitely given me those uh, thoughts. So I, I appreciate that, mom and dad. I would hate to ask you what a podcast is because you're like, what's a podcast? Well, there's this one. There's this one. Here's my morning. <laughs> it's like, yeah, what's a podcast? It's like, what do I have in my ears all day? <laughs> you are the podcast king. Well, we have quite a, a number of news stories to get to today, and we'll talk a little bit about what we've been watching. Um, we'll also incorporate the spoiler chat for the Tomorrow War that we were going to do this weekend, but we're unable to do. So thank you to everyone that kind of uh, bared, bore, bore with me, bear, bared with me, um, bared with us, because I was traveling and uh, we had fun doing that little episode last week, but it's so nice to be here for our regular Tuesday night chit-chat, shooting the shit. <laughs> It's always good. There, there, there was, there was a hole in my heart last uh, Tuesday. Uh, there, you know, or a hole in my schedule, I guess, which is, I guess is my heart as well. But uh, yeah, it was, it was always nice to just pop in and talk movie news. And then pretty much whenever like new movie news came up, I'm like, oh crap, we got another week to go until that. Yeah, yeah. I was intoxicated at Disney Springs, so I was a little upset about it, and then I got drunk. So you know, there we go. Um, all right, so let's jump in. First of all, uh, we lost a kind of titan of the industry, um, a man responsible for a lot of the major films that are to this day kind of classics. Um, talking about Richard Donner. Uh, so, of course, Lethal Weapon, we have to talk about. You have to talk about kind of ushering Superman. And um, really, I don't think there would be a superhero uh, industry on film quite the way that we know it today if Richard Donner wasn't involved. Um, early on, uh, back in the 70s, which is crazy. 78, was it? I believe so, yeah. Yeah, Superman, and then, yeah. And then, he, of course, the Richard Donner cut came out and all that. Multiple lethal weapons, Scrooged. Um, Goonies, too, right? Yeah. Goonies as well, yeah. Jeez. Um, one of my big ones is, uh, the one that's less known is uh, Maverick, um, where Mel Gibson oh, yeah, is the fucking card player. That's <laughs> a great that one. <laughs> that used to be on, like, TBS all the time growing up. <laughs> Oh man, I, I only know that sh I, I've seen the entire movie, but only in certain cuts and pieces from seeing it on TBS. Is that the one on a showboat? Yes, it's a there's a big <laughs> poker game on a showboat with James Garner. <laughs> what a classic! It's man. great. Oh yeah, and of course, I mean, he did. Oh, he did sixteen blocks in two thousand six. Mm -hmm. I forgot. Oh, and timeline in two thousand three. I forgot about that. But yeah, wow. he had a great later stage in his career that just kind of like all of a sudden, like, you know, a couple of movies, but he really like drove in, uh, drove it in in the end. Yeah, that's kind of crazy. I would not expect that from a man that's been around for so many decades. Like he, he just kept going. So um, unexpected loss yesterday, but uh, we are, uh, our hearts go out to the Donner family. Indeed. Um, all right, shall we jump into our spoiler chat of a movie that I think we both enjoyed based on our reviews? We definitely um, both enjoyed. I think um, I'm going to let you go for a bit because <laughs> I don't think I loved it quite as much as you, but I still did enjoy myself without a doubt. I think I might surprise you. So uh -oh. this The Tomorrow War is a movie that just came out of uh, on Amazon Prime Video inexplicably at this point, because I think the movie was destined or could have been destined to be um, a force in the July 4th uh, blockbuster box office, because it just had the, that like, you know, I think my, my buddy's um, partner put it this way, that it was it, it, like for every like retired army dad, it's like that type of film. Like, yeah, fuck yeah, get him. <laughs> um, so the tomorrow war is a really interesting sci-fi premise that, um, it, it essentially we have uh, a war breaking out in 2048, I believe it is. Uh, and they are attempting, uh, basically they're coming back in time to draft people from today or really the end of this year is when it's set uh, to go and fight against an alien race. Um, the premise for it was questionable originally uh, when originally announced the previews weren't that great. Um, but I watched this last week and I was, I texted Sean afterwards and was like, I really loved this movie. And I don't know if I'm just like being soft, if I'm in a good mood or whatnot. 
and then when Sean Chandler the next day told me that he loved it too and was afraid he was going out on a, on a limb, I was like, okay, good. I, I'm in good company. Like, there's something with this movie. And since then, it's really kind of rolled that way. I think a lot of people, like you, you dropped an, an A for it. Uh, Darren's movie reviews dropped the five out of five. Like, it's just been nonstop in that sense. It's a really good sci-fi action movie that I think fills a niche that we haven't had in quite a while. I really like Chris Pratt in it. Uh, I thought that he was exceptional, actually. Uh, the rest of the cast was great, too, where I had ripped on Sam Richardson for Werewolves Within. I completely forgive him for all of the lines that he delivered wonderfully in this movie. Um, there is literally a 25-second scene where he just yells, oh, shit, 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 shit. And that was, that was so funny to me. Um, I, it, it, to me, it was just a really good movie. I really enjoyed it. It really filled the niche. Now, I watched it again on Sunday night with my uh, my friends that I was visiting in Richmond. Um, and I still really enjoy it. I still think it's a really good movie. And to be honest, this is one that I would love to see more from. Uh, may, maybe a prequel or something. Or, yeah, a prequel uh, to explore kind of the aliens and, you know, what we come to learn at the end of the movie where, you know, the aliens that we have been experiencing the whole time didn't crash land or anything. Uh, specifically, they were kind of brought there um, or you know, another alien race crash landed. It's not really explained, but, you know, it would be nice to explain that in a prequel. It's um, a very Prometheus type of style uh, thing. It's <laughs> a good way to put it. Um, but, you know, the my knock on it after watching it a second time is that it lingers a lot in certain scenes. And there are, I think the action's great, um, but the some of the storyline and story development that is... You know, for instance, when he and his daughter are in the lab um, exploring the whole, like, we have to find the way to, you know, that one in a million shot or whatnot. Um, it's We spend a lot of time in there. When they're having their heart-to-heart in the ocean, I will uh, point out, <laughs> their heart-to-heart in the ocean, they spend quite a lot of time in there. Um, it just lingered in a lot of areas that I think slowed the film down. And it was a long film. It was two and a half hours. Um, hashtag make movies under two hours again. Um, but all in all, I think it was a really solid film. Um, and you know, a big surprise for me. What did you think? I, I mean, I love this as well. Um, the action set pieces were spectacular. The creature design is probably like, you know, some of the best I've seen Absolutely. in a very long time. Can I just jump in there real quick? Cause I, go, go. I meant to, ma- I meant to mention this, <laughs> the, the part with the aliens that I loved and uh, why I think it was so dynamic and different was the aliens were shooting back. Like mm-hmm. they were literally shooting these spike things back. And that made for such a totally different dynamic. Um, that was so neat and so different, but yeah. And they didn't explain it right away. All of a sudden, like I'm seeing like, you know, like all of a sudden some of the soldiers like getting fired backwards <laughs> and I'm like, why, who is someone shooting mode. them? What's happening? And then all of a sudden I realized, Oh, they're shooting spikes this whole time. <laughs> and um, I just, yeah, like b- between uh, the design, between the choice to reveal the design right away, which was absolutely influential to this movie, like, you know, just essential to this movie is to just be like, no, nope, we're showing the aliens right away. They're jumping down the stairs. You see them completely. And there we go. Um, and I like just absolutely like, you know, adored those uh, like sort of different types of um, like action set pieces. I agree with you. The, the uh, emoting scenes took a bit too long. Um, they were a bit, um, uh, I don't even want to say annoying cause they were fine. They were necessary. They were necessary for the process, but they just really took their time with them. And um, I think that this, though, even with those fake emotion moments, this has all of the necessary, uh, the necessities of a Hollywood blockbuster. Absolutely. And that's really what we like. You know, I look at the critic score. You know, we can look at Rotten Tomatoes. We can look at Metacritic. We can look at the audience score on Rotten Tomatoes. I usually hate doing that because it's always different because one is always pissed off at the other. And they're always trying to trade which one's larger. And, um, you know, the critics did sort of pan this. And I'm like, well, you know what? This is why we can't have nice things. Enjoy the Marvel movies that you complain about as well. And enjoy the Fast and the Furious movies that you complain about. Because here's the thing. This was an original type of movie that 
entertains and is fun. There's not a lot I could look at that's different from Independence Day with this. Now, now I'm just going to get canceled by all of cinephile culture by saying that. I understand it, but there's not really a whole lot. The emotion into Independence Day isn't like terribly sought after or something like that. It's pretty paper thin. The um, you know, the the uh, the comedic uh, characters, the uh, you know that kind of deal is there in both of them. The action set pieces are there in both of them. And Independence Day is like two and a half hours long, which, Mm -hmm. you know, when I rewatched it, that threw me for a loop. I was like, oh man, we were just patient back then. (laughs) That's all it was back then. But um, I, you know, there's flaws in logic um, in some of the parts of this movie, but, and especially that third act, which was draining when they're going to, uh, not Antarctica, excuse me, but Russia, pretty close. And I'm just like, okay, what what is this turning into? And it turned into probably one of the best action, like, you know, climaxes, you know, in an action movie mm-hmm. the past couple of years. So right around there, I was pretty psyched about all that. You know, but that's also another scene now that you bring that up that I was, uh, I felt dragged a little bit as they were just getting there. I was like, okay, let's do it. Like, and my buddy said it too. He thought the movie was over. At, yeah. you know, when they come back and I totally get that because I remember the first time too being like this can't be over yet there's still more to go um, it, yeah it's it, it's something that I think hit on all the right cues for a successful action movie um, I'm looking at the critic scores right now and just for comparison you know like In the Heights has 320 critic uh, reviews this has 150 so mm-hmm. it's not really as wide reviewed yet um, not that I think that's going to really make any big difference. Cruella has 368 as well, but I do think that impacts it because I don't know that everyone is really in tune with watching this. It's the interesting thing I think you and I have learned here too, is there are critics like us or like ex- aspiring critics that will watch everything. And then there's others that are like, well, that's not my type of movie, so I'm not going to watch it and review it. Um, and maybe they did and you know, they didn't like it. I don't know. I'm making excuses for it and I don't know why. Um, but it's to me, it should have been in theaters at the end of the day. I think this should have been in theaters. I'm really interested to know the reasoning why, one, it was sold to Amazon, and two, Amazon decided not to put it in theaters mm-hmm. uh, because that just seems like an oversight to me when it is getting – I mean, an 81% audience review is really good because who's buying the tickets? The audience members. Yeah. And it's and you know that's the one thing is Amazon movies aren't all just like Netflix streamers or anything like that. Amazon mm-hmm. movies – a lot of times go to theaters with a pretty sizable window still Um, like a longer one than the Netflix window sometimes is. And so with that in mind, this could have been a theater release um, in uh, for the July, which by the way, they also, you know, they promoted this movie very well. Maybe, uh, yeah, I'll call it like a day or two beforehand where I saw ads (laughs) for this everywhere. everywhere. But before that, nothing and uh, i mean you know i know a lot of i don't know about uh you know i didn't get a screener you got a screener for this the embargo was like the day before for some of these screeners which that's mm-hmm. terrible like yeah yeah I, I it didn't really instill confidence in me when i sat down to watch it uh knowing that the screener or that the embargo was the day before um but at the same time it could have been the night of right or it could have been i mean the morning of or something yeah. like that so um, I just wonder if it's a situation where they didn't know what they had on their hands or the people that were sh- or screened the movie early on um, were from a subset or from you know a specific er- place where they just didn't <laughs> care for it. I don't know. Uh, but I, I just thought it was real funny. I, I keep thinking to like <laughs> when they land in Miami and Sam Richardson's like, Rogue Lab Will Smith isn't around to see this. <laughs> it was unbelievable because when they said welcome to Miami, I was like, was someone doing like a cut of yeah. um, you know, some sort of like Will Smith joke and then Richardson just kind of knocks it home and it's like, okay, good. Like someone someone gave him the soft pitch and he absolutely knocked it out of the park. He knocked it out of the park with everything because some of the lines are really cheesy. But he did such a good job of delivering them. And that's what, for me, was missing from Werewolves Within. Um, But I just, I keep comparing it to that because it's the last film I saw him in. Um, But it was like, this was like a, I don't know. He has that comedic timing. This is what I said before with like Veep. He was a very peculiar character and a unique uh, role in that film or in that show. And he was so good at what he did. With this, it's not the same character, but it's arguably the same type of humor in that he can just drive it home real quick. It's quick one-liners and quick quips that he's really good at. 
Well, he has that same sort of delivery, um, yeah. and it's the the same like delivery. So you can have that corny line where you know he's just sort of struggling over it a little bit, and like he's he's talking a little bit fast, talking a little bit slow. Has that awkward nature to him, and it's and it worked. I mean, I look at you know I, I view him as sort of the Goldblum character. If I'm going to keep on doing Independence Day comparisons, where yeah. you know in Independence Day, I on my rewatch, Jeff Goldblum doesn't Goldblum himself until the very end. Like he is just he's kind of like the hot sex symbol that's figuring things out like a brainiac kind of thing. And then all of a sudden, like, you know, when he's chilling with Will Smith, he's like, okay, I got to dial it back now for Smith. And then, you know, it worked perfectly. So, you know, Richardson in the same way knew how to deal with the actors he was around. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm thinking about the end when he falls down with uh, like after at the very end of the climax when he falls and he goes, yeah, let's just rest here. (laughs) (laughs) It was such, or like, uh, what's his name? Um, oh my gosh, of course, a name is slipping my mind while we're recording this. But J.K. Simmons, J.K. Simmons, I almost said J.J. Rowling, which was a whole mix up. There's a lot um, there that you could do, <laughs> could have done a lot. Uh, but J.K. Simmons, when he was like, Did you just tell the alien to die? <laughs> like that, that was just really funny. That I, I just, it was well cast. I really enjoyed it, blew me out of the water in terms of what I was expecting. Um, it's going to be high up there as of right now in terms of my movies of the year. It's not going to be the top or top two or whatever, but it's going to be up there because I think it was a really good movie. So I'm excited because Chris McKay, the director, is doing the Nightwing movie uh, for DC. So, I mean, if he can bring some originality um, and you know humor and just get back to sort of what DC wants to get to, I think this is a good pre- a good idea of what we're going to see. Yeah, definitely. Is that official that he's doing the Nightwing movie? Yep. Nice. Yep, yep. So that's exciting. Also exciting is I finally watched Luca last week on the plane. He did um, it. And it was adorable. This is a movie <laughs> that I've been waiting to see forever. Uh, I was really pumped for it. And because it dropped in the middle of Tribeca, I uh, opted to wait. Um, but Luca was absolutely adorable. I see what you're saying, how people are like comparing it to or – uh, placing it in lower tier Pixar, it's still a really incredible film. Um, it's simple, which I think works for it very well. The characters are adorable. Every time she said, ah, oh, San Mozzarella or San Gorgonzola or something, I lost it. I was like giggling to myself. And I was in the middle seat in the on the plane, like, <laughs> um, but it was, it has a very good story. It has really great characters that I think like immediately in my head, I'm like, well, I can see them popping up in the park or I can see something themed like this at Epcot um, at Italy. Um, but I just, I really liked it. Great storyline, great themes um, and messages of friendship. I do think there was a little bit of a, you know, be yourself and uh, how do you fit in type story that may have been their way of touching on some um, gender identity issues uh, without touching on them as Disney likes the, to do. the grandmother's monologue at the very end. Like, you know, they found good people to be around that will support them. And I was like, oh boy, there it is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. nailed that. <laughs> um, but I, I mean, at, at the very end, and this is a bit of a spoiler, but it's been out for three months, three weeks now. So, uh, but what, at the very end, when there's two old ladies that they show the entire movie, like rip down the uh, uh, umbrella and they turn into the thing. So I was like, oh, that of was course, great. That's, that's wonderful. <laughs> Um, in the comments, someone just said it had a good dinosaur vibe, and I completely disagree with that on every front. But we are very happy that you're here paying attention to us. Please continue to follow, but what? <laughs> really? I don't know about that one. Uh, but yeah, I really enjoyed it. It was it was really a pleasurable movie. I actually want to watch it again, um, and that's one I'll probably buy on Blu-ray because uh, I think it's it's going to be one of the sleepers for Luca, for, for Luca, for Pixar. And I do see it probably contending next year. Um, for best animation because the animation is a little bit different uh, for Pixar, kind of in line with like Studio Ghibli a little bit, um, which is neat. Someone someone said it's a Miyazaki uh, background with Wallace and Gromit characters, and I thought that was brilliant. I was like, oh, it's just perfect. There's also, now that you're of the uh, TikTok world, there's a guy on TikTok that uh, always acts like his uh, Italian mother. And he, like he's like, Jesus Christ, Georgie, get out of bed and stuff like that. And people are telling him that he looks like the villainous kid in this movie. And it is the <laughs> funniest TikTok because he's like, oh, Jesus Christ, oh, motherfucker. 
Uh, but like he does. The the villain was like I, I think I said this before on the pod, but the the villain was this great uh, like Disney villain where you know goofy the whole time, menacing at the exact moments where he needs to be. But yeah. uh, then like whenever he was upset, his like you know his sidekicks would like try to give him a sandwich, which I, I don't know. There's just such a lovely moment of that. Yeah, I want a sandwich, and I want a sidekick that will give me a sandwich. Exactly. Um, I I don't remember the character's name, but the big brutish guy without the arm. Um, mm. I thought he was an incredible character. He kind of gave me vibes a little bit in a weird way of, um, oh, uh, yoo-hoo, big summer blowout from Frozen. Um, I was like, is this like the brother or something? Um, but he, oh my God, the way, especially at the end, the way that that character kind of comes around and what he stands for was really impressive after how they had set him up in the story to be like the guy that was going to not be supportive. And, um, yeah. you know, it just furthers my thoughts that this is, this was their attempt at touching on gender identity and such. It was such a, it, it was a small attempt, but it was there. I mean, there's the moment where he just sort of looks and he just says, how do, how do you think I lost my arm? He's like, I came into the world that way. And it was sort of this moment where it's like, hey, this this wasn't a choice. This wasn't an action. This wasn't that occurred. Like, this is like how I am. And so his acceptance of that almost right away was, you know, sort of a fascinating I'm tearing moment. up. <laughs> I like, legitimately am tearing up. <laughs> oh, man. I need to watch it again. I, I think the cat needs to be a little bit more inclusive, though. He was, Machiavelli was a little bit but, you know, that cat was a little dick. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, you've watched uh, some more serious films. <laughs> yeah, these are these are the uh, furthest from animated films ever. Um, uh, I'm going to talk about my uh, right now. I think what might be, and I got to give it a minute, but what, what might be one of my favorite films of the year in a moment. But before that, I'm going to talk about uh, the Soderbergh film, uh, No Sudden Move, um, which is a really interesting watch for me because um, I, def- I, I challenge anyone to tell me what that movie was about. Cause you won't really be able to explain it fully. The plot was quite confusing, but there's two type of, there's two types of viewers. There's the viewer that, you know, doesn't mind that kind of like understands at least a part of the plot and they are good. Um, and then there's <laughs> the people uh, like Sam who needs to pretty much know each part of the plot. And so she's like about 90 minutes in, she's like, okay, I've tried as long as I can. I'm going to bed. And so that was it. Like she, she sort of gave up on it. And honestly, I don't blame her. If you are someone that wants to know what's going on for the entire movie, you're not going to have a good time with this movie. If you're someone that wants to try and figure out and still fail at it, you're going to have an amazing time at this movie. You're going to enjoy it. Now, on a technical level, this was a blast of a film. It was beautifully done. Soderbergh just always knows how to make some great imagery out of something. Um, He does experimental things sometimes, like taping with an iPhone or having best actor go last. But in all of those sort of situations... (laughs) Well done throwing that in there. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's, it's gonna stay with me forever. But even in those challenges, like you see something new, this is a more down the middle, like sort of uh, 60s or 70s, uh, like heist um, crime movie with a huge cast, including some people we haven't seen in a while. Um, The one standout for me is Brendan Fraser. We have not seen in a bit. And it was great to see him like kind of in front of the camera acting again, even though it was a pretty small part. Um, but for the most part, it was it was it was OK. Uh, just remember, get ready to be confused. And I, I truly don't know if they even know what that movie was about. Um, I'm not watching it. Yeah, I, that, it, that's a turnoff. I know. <laughs> I, well, I actually I downloaded it for the plane ride back on Friday and I was like, mm, I don't know. Uh, and I ended up just like playing crossword puzzles. <laughs> I'm like, I'd rather do that because that I just had no interest, unfortunately. You, you really can miss it. Unfortunately, it's just like, you just like can miss this. I don't, you know, blinking it's gone. This was like, when I did the review, it was a very short review. Cause there's not much to say about this movie. Yeah. And um, yeah, they didn't but, do much advertising for it either. Well, this was weird. Cause this is not like a, the part of the HBO max that also goes into theaters. This is like, just like Soderbergh's like 700 HBO max deal that he has, where it's just like all of these films for HBO max. And, you know, it was just like something that, like just does not get advertised, I guess. Yeah, it was weird. There was not many ads that I saw from this one. Um, interestingly out. enough. Um, but now I'm going to be talking about the one that a lot of people are talking about and I'm happy about it. This is Questlove's documentary summer of soul. 
And this is about um, basically it was dubbed, and this is just the easy way to describe it, even though it's somewhat incorrect in describing it this way. This was basically de- described as the Black Woodstock that took place in Harlem and uh, had several different uh, superstars, including Nina Simone, uh, up to uh, Stevie Wonder, um, Sly and the Family Stone as well, and many others. But um, the footage on this was not discovered until 2017. And most people didn't know this concert even existed after 1969. And like, mm-hmm. you know, pretty much except for the people that were there. And uh, no one cared about the footage. No one bought the footage. No one produced the footage at all. But it was, it's filmed wonderfully. And so like Questlove was kind of tapped to be uh, to direct this, which is just strange considering he's never directed anything before. Right. <laughs> but everyone's just like, you know what? He's probably talented. Let's put him on this. And so he was given it. Um, like he even he was like, you guys sure? <laughs> like, he didn't even know what to do with it. I, I heard this in an interview today. And um, this on a is podcast. On a podcast, of course. <laughs> if I heard the interview, come on. <laughs> Um, with this, uh, it's a beautiful concert. It's beautifully shot. And then it's intercut with stories of these artists and how they've had to deal with trying to break through in a, like, you know, basically a white musical industry and how they've had to like, at sometimes uh, code switch and how they sometimes refuse to, how they would get into politics, what politics was like in 1969 to have this music festival in Harlem. Cause 1969 things weren't going well. And so it was just one of those moments where it's just like this beautiful, like for one celebration. And it's a time where like you look out into the uh, audience and you just see a sea of black faces and it's really just chilling to see. And they're either just like they're, they're enjoyed or they're just like hypnotized by what they're seeing in front of there. We have an extremely young Stevie wonder who's just first standing up there singing and then quickly gets behind, not a piano drums. And he is like drumming his heart out and everything. Then he gets up on the drumming stool and there's his subtle guide that he has, who's like probably shitting his pants, like kind of like sort of, (laughs) but just also wants to give that performance something great. Um, This is on Hulu right now. I recommend everyone see it. I'm not a music fan. I don't know. I know very little about music, but this was something that was truly wonderful to see. And like the way Questlove intercut this, the way he edited this, it's great. They were really pushing this one a lot for uh, screeners, and I remember thinking, like, oh, there, this must be really good. There must be something really good to this. And, I, again, it was one of the ones that I didn't have an opportunity to watch during Tribeca, um, but I've heard great things. When I read your review uh, or later tonight, <laughs> um, I, I was like, look at him go. Um, and uh, someone else I, I follow, I can't remember who it was, also was, like, singing about it and said the same thing that you did, that they weren't big a big music fan. Um, but really enjoyed it and really actually like loved the documentary, which is interesting to me, given that we talked about the Sparks Brothers and like that was kind of mm. a tough one for those who weren't familiar. So um, I'm just really, uh, really intrigued now and kind of want to check that out. Yeah, I, I'm, think, I'm thinking the runtime of Summer of Soul was a little bit less, but also just w- they kept it in a more compact lens um, where even though they were talking about like, you know, they'd go into Stevie Wonder. They talk about Stevie Wonder and how he was dealing with like the music of uh, him, him putting himself in the narrative of the music industry and then him getting into politics. But it would still all be it, it still felt like you never left the concert, which that's, that's kind of impossible to do, but works. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. I love that. All right, shall we uh, leave the concert to go to news? Let's do it. All right, first up on our list here is a Star Wars story. Um, That is not what it's called, but uh, Rogue Squadron, which is one of the next Star Wars movies, if not the next Star Wars movie that's gearing up to come out, um, is targeting a December 22nd, 2023 release to be directed by Wonder Woman 1984's Patty Jenkins. It has found its writer in Matt Robinson, who is the man who penned the scripts for Love and Monsters, The Intention of Lying, and other films, um, and an upcoming film that I can't remember, actually, now that I just said that. Um, But he is, uh, it seems like he's pretty much in demand, but he'll be writing the script for the anticipated film, um, and we expect it to start production next year. Can I say that Love and Monsters was a movie that I didn't love? (laughs) Um, Or Monsters. Or Monsters. Um, and I felt like a monster because I didn't love it. Everyone was like, what? Um, I, it's one that I actually would like to watch again because I feel like I say this all the time. Sometimes you're just in a mood watching a movie and like not in the zone for it. But I want to check that out again. What do you think about him writing a Star Wars movie? Well, I think it says something about Love and Monsters that we were in a pandemic where there was nothing to do and we couldn't go outside. And I still didn't watch this movie for some reason. And I think it had a lack of availability towards me or maybe it was a VOD where I'm like, maybe I don't do 
twenty dollars this time. That's exactly and, what uh, it was. <laughs> <laughs> that's really what it was. Yeah. So that was the uh, that was the uh, tricky part for me. So I I really have not seen anything of this work. Uh, I'm going to be mean for a second and say thank God Patty Jenkins isn't writing this, um, and because I think that she really had a hard time with Wonder Woman and nailing that down. So um, I, I don't think she was the only writer on Wonder Woman either. But um, I, it it still was a little bit tricky and a little bit of a problem for me. So um, I'd say it's interesting to have someone that in this situation when we're dealing with a sci-fi it try to put this the best way i can it is better to have a different director and writer for a sci-fi i think I the collaboration is needed because when you got the one guy you know i know some of you love him and he is a lovely person george lucas but like when you have a guy that like is just like you know working with just himself and like you know that's it sometimes things get a little bit lost in the translation so when you have someone else there you can collaborate it can be a little bit interesting but i can't speak for this uh, gentleman's writing um except for the invention of lying was a weird fucking movie very weird movie <laughs> Speaking of weird movies, I'm going to jump around a little bit because Zack Snyder is going to be making a sci-fi fantasy title, uh, fantasy movie called Rebel Moon for Netflix. It was announced today. What's interesting about interesting about this and how it links to Star Wars is that it was um, reportedly a redesigned pitch for a Star Wars movie, in a way. Um, so the story is set in motion. Quote. When a peaceful colony on the edge of the galaxy is threatened by the armies of a tyrannical regent named Belisarius, desperate people dispatch a young woman with a mysterious past to seek out warriors from neighboring planets to help them make a stand. Um, sounds familiar? Um, he's, Snyder uh, cites Star Wars and Akira Kurosawa as the um, influences. This is, that's the Star Wars, buddy. <laughs> Kurosawa um, Star Wars. <laughs> but he said, quote, it's my love of sci-fi and a giant adventure. My hope is that this also becomes a massive IP and a universe that can be built out. I've spent the last two or three years building out this universe. Every corner has to be painted in. I've been doing designs, constantly drawing, and really cultivating its fertile ground to make this world fully realized. So Netflix saw the word franchise and was like, sign me up. Um, they're always trying to build one. They are building another one yeah, of Zack Snyder's franchises <laughs> yeah, yeah. with Army of the Dead. Um, so, I, hey, I would love to see another, like, intergalactic sci-fi movie. Um, I think so many, so many studios probably didn't go that route, uh, or haven't accepted pitches or anything because of how monumental Star Wars is. But not only Star Wars, I mean, you have Star Trek as well. Um, and they've always been the two big ones that are competing. Sure, you've gotten little ones here and there, but, um, Battle, Battlefield Earth wasn't really, uh, you know going to take off for a while that's the one you reach for <laughs> i was trying to think of a bad one it was very easy <laughs> i guess that's it yeah <laughs> that's a good one um but hey i'm interested in this I, i'll check uh, it's zach snyder i like zach snyder didn't like army of the dead but hopefully uh this is redeeming he is writing it uh he's <laughs> of course directing it and co-writing it um, as well as producing, and he will be co-writing it with the Army of the Dead screenwriter Shay Hatton and 300 co-writer Kurt Johnstead. So, kind of crazy. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I read uh, an article about this really fast, and I thought it was Zack Snyder making a Star Wars movie, and I just said, well, that's how the Civil War starts. Because <laughs> honestly, like, the, the two most divisive things on the frickin' planet <laughs> are Zack Snyder and Star Wars. And I'm like, we're going to have a four-quadrant nightmare on our he hands. He literally said a month or two ago that he wouldn't do it, do a Star Wars film because he wouldn't survive. <laughs> I, I can't imagine how you could. I mean, th this, this nation would not survive. <laughs> we would just lose our minds. Um, I mean, I, I do, you know, I don't think, uh, yeah, I, I kind of like Zack Snyder. Um, I like his, uh, passion. Um, and I guess that's like a way of like, I like that he tries. No, I, I, I like how much he like really looks into, um, you know, looks into a movie and gives it his all, even if the product becomes a little bit messy. I think he still does like something interesting with it he does something great with it he really puts like a lot behind it a lot of research a lot of thinking about it i'm obviously thinking of the snyder cut right now where you know you just see that there was just so much that he put into that that was just really great and like into that world um i think that it's great that we have this like different type of uh world um 
you know, like a different sci-fi movie, an original sci-fi movie. Let's hope it looks original. Cause honestly, like you, you look at some old Kurosawa movies and star Wars ripped those off like intensely. And so if he's saying like, I'm going to do sci-fi with Kurosawa, I'm like, okay, wait a minute. <laughs> like, this is, this is, I don't know how this goes, man. Like that's going to get tricky, but in, you know, granted you could still take from an amazing filmmaker and it could look different. The plots looking the same, just hopefully there's some way that this doesn't turn into uh, vanilla ice, um, ice, ice baby versus queen uh, uh, and under pressure. And it's just like the doon, 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 ding, ding. <laughs> I don't want that to be what this turns into. I don't, think it will but you know god bless you snyder i want to see a sci-fi from you it's going to be cool to see i really like the idea that he uh is so good at fleshing out stories and such i worry that it doesn't always translate to the screen i think there was a lot in army of the dead that was left off screen even though that was a two and a half hour movie um and of course it took a four out four hour movie to get the full snyder cut out Granted, it was originally going to be like two movies and all that stuff and, um, you know, whatnot, uh, if not three movies. But um, I, I just hope I hope he has some guidance and some support in that in terms of like Netflix saying, hey, this this seems really good. Like we're really behind this plan three movies if you want. Like here's the funding for the three movies. Go for it or two movies or whatever um, so that he's not trying to do too much in one uh, that ends up undercutting the actual IP. That's my, always my concern with him. I mean, and that's what I worry about with Netflix is they, you know, the, the common thing is like they answer the phone like, well, Netflix, you're greenlit. And they're just like, go <laughs> 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 from South Park. <laughs> like, it's, um, it is, it is one of those things where they immediately do that. And it's, um, I don't know. A part, a part of me is worrisome because then they'll say like, here you go. Here's three movies. And then the first movie doesn't do well and they pull back. I'm worried about that possibly happening with army of the dead. I think army of the dead did well enough that they don't have to worry about that. But like, there's a chance that, you know, if, if the first movie doesn't do well, they could say, you know what, just like canceling a show, like, you know, they, and they, and Netflix cancels a lot of shows yeah. um, of their original like content, obviously, but uh, they cancel a lot of those shows after like what's a season or two seasons. Um, yeah. And, it's obviously because of budget and that's the name of the game and that's there. But you know, when you do that with movies, it gets tricky and then you have just something like the Snyder cut on your hands. Yeah. But I, you know, what's funny is I think that they, this is getting into a larger Netflix discussion, but I think that they're a little bit more um, free with the money that they put towards the original films. And one of the reasons I say that is, you know, let's jump into this story. Charlize Theron is going to be starring in The Old Guard 2. That movie didn't blow the socks off of everyone, and it didn't really do that well, ultimately, in comparison to a lot of other stuff on the streamer. But they're making Old Guard 2 with production reportedly starting next year. The other side of the Charlize Theron story is that there's a spinoff of her Fast and Furious character, Cypher, in the works. So that's happening. If you thought that series was coming to an end, you're fucking stupid, because that's <laughs> never, never ending. Um, but anyway, back to Netflix. You know, I... I don't know. I, I think that they they know, uh, you know, I think back to some of the original stuff that they cancel, right? And so thinking about, like, uh, Glow. Glow was one of the ones that they kind of, like, cut off too soon, and we still haven't gotten the third season of that, correct? Um, well, no, that's what they did, unfortunately, is they um, they said, hey, you have one more season, and then you're, you're done, which I think is a respectful, perfect thing to do. I think that's awesome. Uh, they filmed about, like, you know, three days of that season. COVID hit. And then a couple of months later, Netflix said, you know what? No more seasons. And it's with with a a series like that. I totally understand. Well, not a series like that in particular, but with series in general, I understand they have this like three season rule now because they did get a little crazy when they went to, you know, House of Cards went to season six um, and of course had some turmoil that was uh, not of their own making. Um, Orange is the New Black went to what? Season seven, Seven, I think. Um, So they did go on long. Of course, Stranger Things is entering season four, and I think it's getting a season five, so that kind of bucks the role. Um, But I don't know. I think with films like this, I think with Snyder in general, he has enough of a following that he's going to be a draw, and people love Army of the Dead. wasn't my favorite, um, but it still, I think, did well enough that you're going to see they're already investing in the prequels and stuff and a potential – a prequel – what, prequel movie – and a sequel anime series, I think it is. I thought is. it was the other way around. But Might be it the could other be way either around. one. 
Um, no, it's our army of the dead is scary because, um, or no, maybe even we can call it Zack Snyder is scary with his popularity, but I put my review of army of the dead up. It was an average review and never, you know, I'm not that like popular on, uh, Instagram, but the, the ticks just went up immediately. And it just like kind of rose like the fastest I've ever seen anything I've ever posted rise before. And it's like, did I put hashtag Zack Snyder? And that's what caused this. Cause Holy shit. It's crazy. <laughs> It's crazy. And that's what happens anytime that I post uh, or I see a post about Vanessa Kirby. The next story is that she's going to be starring alongside uh, Hugh Jackman and Laura Dern in Florian Zeller's follow-up to his Oscar-nominated stage-to-film adaptation, The Father, which is titled The Son. It has no relation to the story of The Father, but it focuses on another different family dynamic. Um, And uh, the story essentially centers around a man, played by Hugh Jackman, who sees his life turned upside down when his ex-wife, Laura Dern, shows up with uh, his troubled teenage son. Uh, So obviously the son, focusing on some sort of troubles with the son. Um, Kirby is going to play Hugh Jackman's new partner. I about had a coronary when this news broke, I was losing my mind. I got multiple messages from multiple people being like, oh no, oh no, Joe, did you see this? Um, I think you said that this was like, uh, I forget what you said specifically, but it was like crafted. This was crafted in a lab for you. This news was crafted in a lab for you. (laughs) I love Vanessa Kirby. I think she's a phenomenal actress. Um, Just saw her in uh, Italian studies on, uh, or at Tribeca. Didn't love the film, but really loved her performance. Uh, so I'm excited because this was already a, a movie that I was looking forward to. One, because I love The Father, and it was one of the best films of last year. Two, because the cast of uh, or the casting of Hugh Jackman and Laura Dern is just wonderful. Um, two of my all time favorites, and then adding in Vanessa Kirby, be still my gay heart. Your thoughts? <laughs> God bless you. Yeah. Like, I don't know how I'm going to, I'm, I'm also happy about all this news, but I don't know how I can top you for it. Um, I, I will say that, you know, this will be like, you know, the interesting test for um, all of these actors. Um, Cause I think they all have these unique, different energies. And I don't know if those are the energies that are required for uh, this type of uh, film or not. Um, I don't know which ones are needed. This is going to be, uh, I believe, you know, this will be the interesting sophomore film for Florian Zeller. Um, but, you know, shout out to that. I, I love that Florian's just able to do his own plays and then he just like makes them into movies and writes them and directs them. It's like, what a boss. Like, who else could do this? This is I know. insane. I know. It's great. And so, um, you know, the fact that the father was just this absolute, I almost said this absolute smash hit. That is not the case, but it was like, in terms of quality, it was an absolute smash hit and just wonderful movie. Um, I don't know if this one will have the gut wrenching, um, sensibility that that had or the like you know the like really it's going to be tough emotionally but is it going to be as tough as uh pieces of a woman is it going to be as tough as well actually it'll probably be as tough as marriage story honestly um but will it be as tough as um you know the father was um i don't know uh all of the events in this film but Honestly, it just does seem like this is a great group of actors um, with someone who is right now high quality in both direction and writing and has the, a great film last year to prove it. So I'll be I'll be psyched for this one. So I'm just looking that up because I wasn't sure exactly what's going on with the son in this. Um, the young man is troubled, distant and angry, playing truant from school for months. Peter, who is Hugh Jackman, strives to be a better father, searching to help his son with those intimate and instinctive moments of family happiness. But the weight of Nicholas's condition sets the family on a dangerous course. Mm, that could be interesting. There, that yeah. could that could be heartbreaking. There's so much. Like I, I mean, respectfully, where my mind went was either one, like some sort of like mental illness. Um, two, went into school violence. Um, honestly, that's immediately where I went. Um, but maybe that was because I'm like still reeling from, uh, mass. Damn it. Don't tell people. <laughs> oh, sorry. No, just mass on Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Ma- Massachusetts. Gun <laughs> that's not great. <laughs> no, no. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I'm really interested in that movie. I, I just, I think the cast is great like, and good for him for being able to secure that cast because, um, you know, Hugh, Laura Dern, we know, can play anything, <laughs> really. <laughs> Hugh Jackman, I think this will be a uh, 
maybe his biggest test in terms of the emotional strength of a family? I'd say with him, well, emotional strength of a family, yeah, but uh, bad education was one where, he, like, this guy knows how to really dive into something deep and dark. And um, so yeah. I, I th- there's a there, there's something to mine in there with him, without a doubt. And then Vanessa Kirby just watched the first 30 minutes of Pieces of a Woman, if you need any convincing on what's going on. Whew. Oh, man. Um, did you happen to see the uh, Instagram stories of one Sir Hugh Jackman last night? I, I heard about them and I'm choosing to ignore them, but yes, we could talk about them. Oh, we're going like, to talk about it. Talk about it. Um, Hugh Jackman was photographed uh, or posted a photo with Kevin Feige from Marvel. Of course, people are losing their goddamn minds. Um, Boss Logic, who makes a lot of the cool uh, image imagery and stuff, made a poster for Wolverine, like just with like the, the claws. Wolverine three, I guess, essentially. Um, so there's a lot of talk. There's been rumors for years of like whether he would reprise his role because I guess if they're opening up the multiverse, they ultimately could bring some of those X-Men in, um, which would be kind of cool. But Hugh Jackman, as you said when I sent you this, Hugh Jackman has said multiple times that he's done uh, with that. But I, I like the idea that maybe he's in a Star Wars film. And uh, this because like Feige's kind of getting in charge of the Star Wars universe too, and so like this is just him being like you know I don't know a stormtrooper somewhere or something, and that's them screwing with him. But uh, is Feige in charge of the Star Wars universe? I think I think like I, I, I think he's mm, angling for a film or something. Oh, that's what it was. It was like a, it was a group of films, but I think he he wanted to like you know do like his Marvel thing with the Star Wars thing, or I think Disney wanted that because you know that's some that's some good press right there for Star Wars. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, that will be interesting to see where that goes. It might just be like the ultimate troll. Um, and I, when I saw that picture, I was like, I feel like this is an old picture. Um, but the internet lost its mind. So, uh, you know, that will hold them over until Loki tomorrow when we have 84,000 theories pop up after episode five. This is the problem with a three day weekend. I forgot Loki's tomorrow. Oh my goodness. That'll be I tough. won't tell you where I was sitting today, where I remembered that tomorrow was Loki. <laughs> But um, I, uh, I'm very excited about it. Um, I'm also excited about Transformers Rise of the Beast, as we covered uh, two weeks ago on our <laughs> podcast. And we do have some additional news here. Uh, Ron Perlman has been tapped to voice Optimus Primal, leader of the Maximals, in the upcoming Transformers Rise of the Beast. This is not his first time um, voicing uh, Optimus Prime or a version of that in the, um, in the uh, animated movies, I believe it is. Um, or even animated series, not totally in tune with those. Um, but the film's reportedly going to be set in both New York City and Peru following the a new-to-earth Optimus Prime in his 90s uh, G1 robot form. Uh, and in the Heights, Anthony Ramos will star alongside Judas and the Black Messiah's Dominique Fishback. Creed 2's Stephen C- Capel Jr. will direct, uh, aimed for a summer release of next year. Peter Cullen will once again voice Optimus Prime. So this is going to get confusing for people not familiar with uh, Beast Wars, but there's Optimus Prime, there's Optimus Primal. Um, and Optimus Primal is, uh, again, of the Maximals in Beast Wars. I'm excited for it. Uh, once again, I have to say Anthony Ramos is an absolute stud, and I can't wait to see him in this movie because I saw In the Heights again last week in the theaters. <laughs> uh, but very excited for this news. You saw in the Heights last week in theaters, and you also texted me uh, when every song came up, and uh, <laughs> yeah, to the point where when I fell asleep and I woke up to like three or four texts from you, and I was just like, "Is something?" Oh no, he's just texting about in the Heights. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I, I I love this idea. Um, I, I will tell you, uh, you know, Sam Sam was wanting to edit you uh, when uh, you you had the uh, note out there, the big news that said uh, Ron Perlman is voicing Optimus Primal, and. Uh, uh, she was just like, I think Joe has a typo. And it's like, I looked over, I was like, no, 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 there's an Optimus Primal and an Optimus Prime. And then she started pretty much like, you know, deleting all our wedding plans. So, um, but <laughs> <laughs> uh, I will, I will say that Sam's probably correct because like eight out of 10 times there is a typo of some sort. <laughs> There we go. Okay, I didn't actually do <laughs> See, I read it fast too, so I don't even see it, so you're good. Um, but uh Optimus Primal, like I you know, I never knew this uh about uh Ron Perlman that he voiced Optimus Prime. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, you know, he's good. He's, he's at home. That's pretty cool. Ron Perlman has like, I feel like he has more of a evil sort of voice to him. So it's tough to imagine him as Optimus Prime. I mean, I guess voice actors like, you know, change their voice, but it's difficult to hear him as Optimus Prime. Now that we've heard the same guy for so long, I, I don't know his name. Oh, uh, what'd you say it was? Peter Cullen. Peter Cullen. Yep. Yes. Cool. Uh, look at me. <laughs> you, you're going um, crazy. <laughs> get that. <laughs> um, the uh, Ron Perlman did voice. Let me see. Optimus, so this is from Collider. Optimus Primal is the fearless leader of the Maximals. And though Perlman did not voice Primal in the original Beast Wars Transformers series, that was Gary Chalk. Uh, he did voice the character in the animated series Transformers Power of the Primes. Uh, so, yeah. Welcome back. Love, love to see him back here. Someone who's uh, good with the role. They're bringing in, you know, new blood for the uh, live action characters and for the voice characters to bring in the good stuff. I like it. It's some casting that I'm very excited for. Um, and there, of course, probably needs to be. I wonder if there's going to be anyone more, uh, more added to that cast. Um, but one freaking cast that will not stop growing is Knives Out 2. Um, and apparently uh, through set photos, uh, Ethan Hawke and Jada Pinkett Smith have been um, added to the cast of this Netflix film that just has too many people at this point. Like what? I'm still being stubborn here that this was not officially announced by the movie, right? Correct. So I'm not saying they're not in it and I'll be looking forward to them in it. Like, you know, if it happens, I'm just saying that, you know, maybe they were just like, where they're friends with Craig and they just wanted to like, be like, Hey, Daniel Craig, how's that bond thing going? And he's like, shut up. And then, you know, they leave. Um, if it wasn't being filmed in Greece and we weren't in the middle of COVID protocols all over the world, I would agree with you. Well, I can explain Ethan Hawke with that because he was probably doing like some 10 hour Greek play across the way and just like, you know, <laughs> <laughs> just like some weird shit. Um, but no, I, I mean, like it, it's tough because obviously we're all getting sick of the knives out casting. And at the same time, just finding out Ethan Hawke is going to be in the knives out uh, sequel just like puts puts a little flutter to my heart i'm just so excited about that uh, jada pickett smith i don't know much material on I, i'm pretty ambivalent towards but you know like right on like you, should, you know it'll be cool to see some interesting people there i just think this is getting crazy i mean like <laughs> we need to stop with all this um uh i think if i'm not mistaken the uh, photos of them, or at least of Ethan Hawke, were taken down off the internet after they were first posted. So um, it might be a secret, you know. Who knows? I just, I'm so worried about that movie. <laughs> like, well, you didn't, you didn't love the first one, right? I didn't love the first one, but um, not because of the cast. Yeah. And I think that the cast for this is just really blowing up, and it's a lot to balance. Um, you're right in what you said a couple weeks ago that they're, you know, there are, they are filming certain filming, no wait, <laughs> filling certain slots in terms yeah. of the type of characters and type of actors that they're bringing in. Um, but I just don't know. I'm worried about it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'd like to, I, 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 what I've been doing is sort of imagining what it would, would have been like uh, with the first knives out where it's just like one day we would have got Jamie Lee Curtis is going to be in knives out. Then it would have been Don Johnson is going to be in knives out furthering the Don Johnson. And uh, you know, <laughs> God bless you. <laughs> I mean, hey, I'll go with it. And, but uh, no, I mean, I think it's one of those things where they, when we have uh, the Matrix movie or when we have a Marvel movie that's, uh, you know, coming out a while ago, they announce the entire cast and we see the Rotten Tomatoes picture with 800 names, like 400 of them we know and 400 of them we don't. And that's usually how it should be. And instead, like Knives Out to let it bleed out. Now, who knows why they did? Maybe it was a, a publicity stunt. Most likely the case. Maybe names were leaked out as they went. So they tried to stay ahead of the news, except for these last two. Truly, I don't know what it was that made it this way, but, you know, I guess I think they kind of annoyed the general public and then we lost interest. Like by the time Ethan Hawke is in a Knives Out movie, that should be huge news. And all of us were like, "Okay, dude, like whatever, (laughs) we're done. It's just so weird. Like, I don't understand. Like you're talking about budgets for Netflix films. Hello. This budget has to be monumental. And there's already a third one in the works. Like, come on here. This is getting annoying. I forgot uh, they're going to Netflix. Oh, that's that still kind of bums me out too. Yeah, hopefully it's a theatrical release as well. Uh, be. But 
Um, final story of the evening, which is one that broke a little bit earlier today, uh, which is <laughs> really exciting to me. I, I read this and was like, oh, fuck yeah. Um, Judas and the Black Messiah, I'm going to read this straight from Deadline, just so everyone's aware, so I get everyone included. Judas and the Black Messiah, director, producer, and co-scribe Shaka King, producers Ryan Coogler and Charles D. King, and star Lil Rel Howery are collaborating on an untitled original movie centering around an, Amer an American political insurrection. Was that ever to happen? Um, so... <laughs> I'm so pumped for this. I don't know what it's going to, if it, so I can't figure out if it's going to be like a kind of like a retelling of what happened in a way on January 6th, um, or if it's going to be, um, you know, fictionalized in some way. I, I kind of hope the latter, um, but I'm really pumped for it. Yes. I mean, you know, obviously both of us love Judas and the Black Messiah. Um, I think it will uh, age better than any of us realize because there were a lot of people that had like these tiny nitpicks with this or these tiny nitpicks with that with the movie. Um, and hey, that's cool. I love people picking apart movies, honestly, like go for it. But I just think that this one really was like altogether an extremely well done movie. Okay. Um, this is going to be one where they have to walk on more eggshells than before. Um, and, you know, I guess... They, they kind of nailed it by having their, like, not their first movie, all but their first movie all together being about, you know, basically the leader of a Black Panthers chapter. And that's already a very complicated thing to do. But this is a complicated thing to do that happened very recently. Um, one of the things I just thought of with it, with Lil Rel Howery there, I don't know if he'll be the lead actor in this or they'll have someone else be the lead actor of this. But if you tell this story through the perspective of some of the guards, um, of the Capitol, um, possibly. Um, yeah, there was a story of it, uh, one of the black guards that I, oh God, I want to get his name so that I give him, do him some service. Is it the but, one that became Sergeant of Arms? I believe so. Yeah. But um, I, I remember that was the one where like, I remember that whole thing. Um, and if you surround it with that, I think you put some importance to this. You, uh, you, you don't make it a, as grand of a scale. Cause I think you put it as grand of a scale and we lose something. Cause guess what? We've all seen it in, on a grand scale. We've seen them climbing on the news for the past year. We've seen all of that. So like, you know, put it on the grand scale if you want, you know, you're making your movie. But I mean, if you put something personally on how it impacts somebody that's truly been hurt by this, like truly been destroyed by this. Um, and that's exactly what um, like I think should be done with this. I, hey, once again, do your movie. But I think that would be great. I, I'm glad that the team's back together because I think that they obviously have a good partnership in terms of producing a film and getting a film to screen and making an impact with the story. Uh, so I really am excited that they're tackling something that's, um, I meant said a little more relevant and that would have been uh, ignorant. It's because uh, Judas and the Black Messiah is ever relevant and uh, necessary. Um, but I guess something that we're, something that is, an open wound that recently was opened, I should say, in terms of the insurrection and stuff. Um, yeah, wow, it's going to be crazy. Um, but no other news stories broke tonight, which is kind of crazy. That usually never happens to us. I was wondering, like, did you want to talk about Megan Fox wanting to be in a Marvel movie, or you know, just like, <laughs> um, did we just did? <laughs> you just did. <laughs> Sounds good. I don't um, like. <laughs> Sure. I'm okay. With it. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I, like, I, so Megan Fox is like a whole nother conversation um, because she kind of got blacklisted. She did get blacklisted after the Transformers movies. She did Jennifer's Body, which became a cult classic. She's popped up in the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movies. Um, she just did an, or has another film either coming out or just came out, Till Death, I think it's called. Um, I might be wrong, but people are saying it's really good. Do you know what I'm talking about? I actually don't know that one. No, I was trying to think about it, but it sounds familiar. Um, but you know, I'm I'm this, I would be happy to see her in these films because I don't think she's a bad actress. I think she's pretty good. She just has to be cast in the right role. I think like I, I say to that even I'll go further and just say, so what if she's a bad actress? I mean, these are Marvel movies. She wants to have fun. We're going there to have fun. You know, granted, we have a lot of serious actors and actresses in there like all the time. We have so many uh, like 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 Christian Bale is going to be in a Marvel movie, which we're still all trying to mull over. I know. And so like we're we have that level of it. 
but you can be in a Marvel movie and, you know, be someone that, you know, basically has been in lower tier movies, you know, has considered like has been considered as a lower tier actress, whatever that means. If they're in lower tier movies, it's tough for them to shine anyway. And so that's kind of why I wanted to talk about it for a brief moment, because I'm just thinking, you know, like l- let her into a Marvel movie because Marvel movies are fun and let let's let's have some fun with it. I mean, that's what I say. Yeah. You know, what's funny. I'm going back to looking at the at her IMDb and after the Transformers movies, Revenge of the Fallen being the last one that she was in in 2009, she did Jennifer's Body in 2009, which was the cult classic I mentioned. She did Jonah Hex, which kind of mm, tanked. <laughs> um, but, you know, she did Friends with Kids. She did The Dictator. She um, provided her voice for Robot Chicken DC Comics special as Lois Lane. She did This Is 40. She did the two Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movies. She was on New Girl for a year. And then she did a bunch of other movies that I, Above the Shadows, Zeroville, The Battle of Jengzari, um, Think Like a Dog, Rogue, She's Till Death is the one I'm talking about now or was just mentioning. And then she has already completed Midnight in the Switchgrass, Midnight in the Switchgrass, Big Gold Brick, which come out in the next two years. Um, She's the voice, providing a voice in Naya, Naya Legend of the Golden Dolphin. And then pre-production starting on Aurora, where she is Aurora. Hmm. Uh, the story of a female astronaut stationed in outer space to monitor solar storms that endanger Earth. She disco- discovers shockwaves from solar storms are bending time. Seems like a lot of people are cashing in on her right now. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. <laughs> That's pretty nuts. So it's funny because we're talking about her kind of as like the B tier, but she's being, you know, she's jumping into all this stuff. So, man, Megan Fox. Remember <sighs> when she was told like she wasn't being sexy enough or something in Transformers? I don't remember that whole story. I, I, I don't, I don't remember that story at all, and that's baffling to me though. Michael Bay apparently is not the greatest person in the world. He doesn't strike me as someone who would be. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Well, let's talk about what's coming out this week. Uh, quiet week in terms of releases, but the three to mention, of course, Black Widow is coming to theaters and Disney Plus Premier Access. Um, are we seeing that this weekend? Joe, um, are you uh, are you planning on seeing that with anybody this weekend? I have to say that people probably think that we have this all like written out as a bit, and we never do. <laughs> do they? <laughs> Well, because you were just like Joe, <laughs> like you're reading it or something. Um, but yeah, so I will say Joe is coming to Connecticut. Um, uh, ladies and gentlemen, the guy at the movies podcast with Joe and Sean, <laughs> Joe and Sean are gonna meet for the first time ever officially this weekend. We're gonna have live streams the whole weekend. <laughs> the whole weekend, yeah, why not? What else are we gonna do? <laughs> we'll be on like Instagram live at a, at a brewery or something. Oh, god, yes. <laughs> um, but yeah, Black Widow's coming out. When are we seeing that? Friday or Saturday? Friday. Um, I have I bought the tickets for uh, eight o'clock, so we're ready to go. That works. Um, Black Widow, uh, Fear Street Part Two, 1978 comes out on Netflix. Um, you didn't talk about that, and I'm surprised. The first one. Yeah, I mean, I'm a little bit bummed. Like it, it was, it was okay, but it's just very, very like you can tell this is a. I mean, it's not goosebumps, but you could tell it's goosebumps. Yeah, like goosebumps with a little bit more violence, and yeah. so, um, I'm gonna see the rest because I'm interested of how this ends. But I don't know. I, I'm, 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 I think it's gonna be a C when I de- give out the review tomorrow. Oh no, I might watch it tonight. Give it a shot. Um, yeah. And then this horror film Dakra comes out on Friday in theaters. Dakra is one that people have really been talking about. Um, it was overseas, I believe. Yeah, it's a Tunisian horror film. Um, and it's coming to the U.S. this week. Um, let me... Where is it? Um, sent off with a documentary video assignment. Three journalism students decide to interview Mangia. Uh, seeking new clues about the cold case. Intrigued and perturbed by the deranged woman's story, the trio take their camera to the scene of the crime deep in the woods, led by headstrong young investigator Yasmin. Uh, Soon they are welcomed to a secluded, hushed village. Uh, It it goes crazy. I I should mention... Right now, like I, I googled Dakra, and I'm on the Denver Area Healthcare Recruiters Association (laughs) website, so I don't know if this is a... (laughs) Yeah, it seems a little crazy. Barbarity and some serious scary children around oh. every corner. Oh, I hate scary children. Um, 
someone that one of our friends who's overseas and I can't recall who it was because this was like a month ago. I remember saw this and was really big on it. Um, so I'm very interested to see what it is because horror films overseas take things to a whole new level. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so that should be fun. Um, but yeah, so that's what's going on this weekend. Um, we, of course, will have the live spoiler pod this weekend at some point. Uh, TBD uh, for Black Widow, which will be fun. I'm hoping that we both like love it or something. I don't know. Nervous. Pretty nervous. Um, you just froze on here, which is really funny in the funniest way. And I just took that picture because it's got to be shared with everyone else. So if you don't come back, I'll just keep talking and wrap things up. But we have Schitt's Creek Trivia coming on July 22nd with the Chumps. That will be a lot of fun. We're doing a monthly trivia now, uh, and that will be the next one. Uh, and, yeah, so a lot of good stuff going. Um, you can find Sean at Math Teacher Movies on Instagram. Uh, he is also new to TikTok under the same name, so be sure to check that out. He does awards watch with Math Teacher Movies on GuyAtTheMovies.com every week uh, on Mondays. Uh, obviously, this week came out today just based on some uh, the holiday and stuff uh, and some other stuff going on. Um, and in addition to that, I'd also like to share that Big Brother 23 starts tomorrow night uh, and Pop Goes the Movies. Liz will be recapping Big Brother for us once a week on Fridays. But as you know, with that show, it goes nonstop uh, throughout the summer. Uh, I think about 90, 70 to 90 days. I can't remember the full length. Um, but you can catch all the happenings and craziness there, and we'll be talking about it. So it will be a lot of fun. Check out the preview of Big Brother 23 on com currently. And you can find me at Guy at the Movies on Instagram, Guy at the Movies 1 on Twitter, Guy at the Movies on TikTok, uh, as well as Guy at the Movies.com for all of the latest movie reviews, movie news, uh, trailers, and a lot more fun. Listen to this podcast wherever you get your podcast. Leave us a review. Hit that subscribe button. Like us uh, if you do. I think you probably like us if you're listening to this right now. It's been 54 episodes. If you don't, let us know. We're always open to suggestions uh, and always looking to transform this into better content moving forward. Uh, always can, uh, continuing to improve because we love what we do and we love bringing this all to you. So we have some fun stuff down the road that will be coming your way. But until then, we will see you all this weekend when we're talking Black Widow for Marvel's return to the movies. Take care.